1: Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. I'm your host for the program today. Good to be with you. Hey, uh, At The Core is uh, a program brought to you by American Family Radio. And uh, American Family Radio is a a broadcast division of American Family Association. And um, the name At The Core is actually... um, directly tied to our core values over at American Family Association, what drives our work. And uh, for those who don't know, we are a um, Christian ministry, um, unashamed Christian ministry that uh, uses God's Word, the Holy Bible, as our, as our guide for life and for how to operate and um, But just to uh, cite some of these core values that drive our work and really drive much of the program, evangelism and discipleship, marriage and family, biblical morality, sanctity of human life, stewardship uh, is our fifth core value, and then religious liberty is our sixth and uh, final core value. So that's um, where the name of the show comes from. And, of course, you can go over to afa.net, click on the Who We Are tab, and check out our mission, vision, and values, we have our uh, Marriage Family Life Conference coming up in July, marriagefamilylife.net. That's the URL. <clears throat> that's uh, marriagefamilylife.net. We do want you to come join us. We do want you to come join us. Registration is going to close in, in April, and we want you to register now. Let's not procrastinate. Let's uh, show up on time. Let's register for Marriage Family Life Conference July 6th through the 8th. Uh, those are the dates, July 6th through 8th. 2023, uh, marriage family life conference here in Tupelo, Mississippi. If you want to buy a ticket, um, go to marriage family life.net. And, uh, here are some of the uh, pricing just to give you, give you this information as you go register, uh, for an adult to attend the, to attend the entire conference is $75 for a child to attend the conference is $50. Once again, this is like a two and a half day conference, um, Seventy-five dollars for an adult, fifty dollars for a child. Um, that's uh, the pricing there at MarriageFamilyLife.net. So go there and check it out. in uh, In April, we're having our shareathon. We have shareathon twice a year, once in the fall, once in the spring. And uh, we want to know how God is using American Family Radio in your life. So if you want to share a brief testimony, keep it under about two minutes, uh, about a minute or two. Uh, share how God is using American Family Radio in your life. So if you want to call in, we are fielding listener testimonies now. Eight seven seven six one six. No, that's uh, if you want to call into the show. 877 8893 Haven't got the best of me there. If you want to call in and share your testimony about how God is using American Family Radio in your life, 877 876 8893, and I'll do my best to mention that towards the end of the program as well. Uh, but go ahead and call in, share how God's using American Family Radio, and you might just hear yourself on the air. If you've always dreamed of being on radio, well, that's a good way to make it, <laughs> on uh, on the airwaves, by calling in with your listener testimony. Psalm 64 is where we are today, and this week, Psalm 64. David says, um, About his enemies, he says that they they search, verse 6, Psalm chapter 64, he says, His enemies search out injustice, saying, We have accomplished a diligent search. For the inward mind and heart of a man are deep, but God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly, talking about God's enemies. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who seek them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. Then they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. So the the, um, essence of that is that uh, God's enemies rise up and uh, they search out injustice that they can carry out and do. And then um, God takes them down, and he does so rapidly, and then mankind ends up having a fear for God after God takes down his enemies. Uh, That's uh, the essence of Psalm chapter 64. I do want to talk about what's going on in the markets today. This is um, something to be seen for sure. Um, What we had last week, towards the latter part of last week, really things developed very quickly on Thursday and Friday. But just to kind of give you a, a background here, so there's this bank called Silicon Valley Bank, mostly in California, but they're in other states as well. Um, but they're obviously were were begun or headquartered in uh California, Silicon Valley. So this bank, SVB for short, Silicon Valley Bank, they um uh let's see. Let me read this Reuters report because um They put it very, very um, simply. They explain this. So I'm reading from Reuters, and we'll post this on the podcast page as well. I'll share it with Bobby in here in a few minutes. But it says, this report says that the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates from their record low levels since last year in its bid to fight inflation. Investors have less appetite for risk when the money available to them becomes expensive due to higher interest rates. We've talked about this on the show. This weighed on technology startups, the primary clients of Silicon Valley Bank, because it made their investors more risk adverse. Reading further into this report, as higher interest rates caused the market for initial public offerings to shut down for many startups and made private funding more costly, some SVB clients started pulling money out to meet their liquidity needs. They needed cash. This culminated in SVB, this bank, looking for ways last week to meet its customers' withdrawals. Well, what did it do? To fund the withdrawals from customers, SVB sold on Wednesday of last week a $21 billion bond portfolio consisting mostly of U.S. Treasuries. The portfolio was yielding an average of 1.8%, which is far below the current 10-year Treasury yield, of around 4%. This forced SVB to recognize or realize, if you're in the accounting world, a $1.8 billion loss on that $21 billion bond portfolio. And it needed this to fill uh, the void of the withdrawals that customers are pulling out. Then this became a domino effect. So SVB announced on Thursday it would sell all 2200000000 billion. They're going for more cash here. In common equity and preferred convertible stock, to fill its funding hole. So basically, they're searching for cashier. They're trying to sell assets to, to come up with cash to fund the customer withdrawals. So its shares on that day, this is Thursday, were down 60% as investors fretted that the deposit withdrawals may push it to raise even more capital. And then, of course, uh, the story goes on and concludes here that some SVB clients pulled their money from the bank on the advice of venture capital firms such as Peter Thiel's Future Fund, Reuters reported uh, reported this spooked investors such as General Atlantic that SVB had lined up for the stock sale and the capital raising effort collapsed late on Thursday. So now the FD- FDIC and the regulators have taken over uh, the bank there in California. Very wild ride over the past few days. But this has affected the other banks as well, at least as of Monday morning. Uh, listen to this. Now, this is this is wild, and this is not really getting reported very widely. But uh, listen to this. Um, uh, these these different banks that were, if I can get this to pull up, uh, they're me to it's put behind a paywall, but nonetheless, there were multiple banks. Um, Signature Bank, by the way, in New York is another bank uh, over the weekend that that w- went belly up, and they, the feds took it over. So that's two banks in about 72 hours. But there were other banks, such as a Western Alliance. Uh, they plummeted this morning 78%. Regions, uh, which is a southeastern uh, bank, they went down 15%. Uh, First Republic Bank went down 65 percent. Um, Comerica went down 39 percent. These are all banks, by the way. PacWest went down 28 percent. So this is having a n- – n- now, I'm not saying all of these banks that I decided are having a SVB-type experience per se, but at least the fear is affecting the um other banks, other uh, smaller regional banks as well. Um that's out of market watch, by the way, all those numbers. So many of these, I think there were over twenty to twenty five banks that were halted. The trading was completely halted this morning because of volatility. Um let's see. I want to get get to a few more of this. Let me play a clip here. Um this is um this is Charles Payne. Uh, well, no, this is uh, this is Larry McDonald uh, talking. He's on Fox Business this morning with Maria Maria Bartiromo, uh, talking about how this FDIC coming to the rescue of the Silicon Valley Bank will end up leading to a bailout, a federal government taxpayer funded bailout. Clip three. Let's
2: listen.
3: So, Larry, you see this as a bailout.
2: 100%. Um, well, just look at look the at COVID crisis. It was a $10 trillion fiscal and monetary response, okay? And the Lehman crisis was only $2.5 trillion. And now we're going into another round of bailouts, socializing the losses with the Fed balance sheet, right? And so your hard assets are going to be an incredible place to invest because the dollar's weakening globally as the U.S. is moving toward recession. This this uncertainty and these bank runs nearly guarantee a, a deep recession. And then the Fed – and then eventually the, the taxpayer is going to have to come up with more when they do a, a real uh, fiscal bailout. Right now we're in the uh, monetary bailout.
1: So what Larry McDonald's uh, economist there – what he, what Larry McDonald's is saying is the Lehman Brothers oh seven oh eight oh nine. 08, uh, Market crash disaster was about a $2 trillion disaster, which is a ton of money. But the he's saying the COVID stimulus and the COVID pan- pandemic carnage was a $10 trillion uh, uh, a stimulation into the economy. When you factor in all the uh, uh, sources uh, of money in the name of COVID stimulus, $10 trillion. And then um, here we are now. So um, the Federal, uh, the FDIC, by the way, which, you know, the, everybody knows that FDIC insures up to $250,000 per depositor. Um, what many are saying about this is the Biden administration's trying to say, and the Treasury and, and others, they're trying to say, look, 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 we got this. The FDIC's got the funds. No problem here. We're going to come into Silicon Valley. We're gonna pump, you know, billions into this bank. We're gonna make sure everybody gets their money. The problem with that is that the FDIC on hand doesn't have enough money to do that. So between Signature uh, Bank in New York, which went belly up this weekend, and then uh, the the bank out in California, SVB, between the two of them, they got about 250 billion that they owe their customers. Well. How much does the FDIC have in their "quote unquote" emergency fund for this type problem? Well, they got about a hundred and ten, fifteen billion. So we got a over a hundred plus billion shortage in cash from the FDIC to backstop. They're calling it or bail out uh, these banks. So, so where's the FDIC going to get the other hundred and fifty plus billion? Well, you and me. Yeah, Bobby's pointing at me. You and me. They're going to say, oh, we're going to go to the Treasury and we're going to take out some loans. Well, folks, without the American taxpayer, there's no Treasury. There's no federal government. There's no nothing without you and me. So uh, you can you can nuance this however you want, folks, but it's going to end up in a taxpayer-funded bailout. All right? Without the U.S. taxpayer, the uh, U.S. government has zero dollars. All right. At the core,
2: we'll be back in just a few minutes. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Gallup has released an extensive social survey showing the ultimate sexual perversion groomer's goal. According to the survey, Gen Z adults, those born between 1997 and 2004, have embraced alternative lifestyles more readily than any other demographic, double the rate of millennials, and seven times more than the baby boomer generation. That is not merely a casual occurrence. It's the objective. This is the aim of drag queen story hours and sexualizing
4: children at schools.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner. Or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. If you see something, say something. The advice
5: meant to expose bullying, activity, harassment, and assault truly holds wisdom for all parties involved. But within kids and teen circles, there is often pressure not to say something if they see something. In fact, the bully often rewards keeping what happened a secret. But is it loving to honor one who is actively sinning? If your girl has ever been threatened not to tell about misconduct she witnessed, she undoubtedly experienced a crushing pressure. While the bully thinks they have power over her, your girl is the one with the power, the power to open the door to healing. Our God both confronts sin and brings about restoration. Your daughter sharing about her experience is the first step to resolution.
3: We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
0: The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management.
4: I'm Corinne. and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you called Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life. And it was the best thing I could have done for myself. Because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders. And they are a Christian based company. I love it.
0: If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813.
4: I'm Corey, and I'm debt-free for keeps.
0: 1-800-788-1813. At The Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At The Core on American Family Radio.
1: Welcome back to the show Walker here with you. If you want to watch the program, we're over at streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. That's our um, video streaming service that we actually built out ourselves, Uh, streaming.afa.net. You can watch the program there. There's also tons of other great content there at streaming.afa.net. Hey, by the way, I'm going to be in Israel uh, heading out Wednesday this week. I'll be in Israel for the next 10 days, and uh, so you won't hear me. Here, you'll have uh, Fred Jackson, our news director. He'll be hosting the show some. And, of course, you got Rick Green, uh, the uh, mediocre Rick Green. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Rick's my brother, so I can poke fun at him.
0: I wonder if he's listening today.
1: Yeah, maybe he is. Uh, no, the great Rick Green will be on, of course, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So between Rick and Fred, they'll hold the hold the fort down, as the old saying is. Uh, but right now, I do want to shift to our next guest. We have Noelle Yates, she's president of World Help Organization, a humanitarian relief organization that does such such good work around the world. Uh, Noelle, welcome to the core.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, uh, Noelle, for those who haven't heard of uh, World Help, uh, give our audience a summary of the work that you guys do over at World Help.
3: Yeah, so we are a Christian humanitarian organization working internationally all around the world. We've been around for about 30 years and our model really is what we call help for today and hope for tomorrow. And what we mean by that is this, we, without food and clean water and medicines that our bodies need, well, then we believe for most people, faith can mean very little. But without that faith that really feeds our souls, then all those other things can sometimes be a short-term fix. But when you focus on both, body and soul, that's when we believe true transformation happens in someone's life. And we've seen that work over and over again around the world for the past 30 years and millions of lives impacted through that.
1: Well, uh, to your point, Noel, this is um, a, a big need around the world, and many of us in the West don't. Uh, if you haven't traveled overseas, you don't fully grasp the the basic necessities that many people don't have uh, around the world. But it's one thing to be a humanitarian relief organization. We've got got you know, uh, many of those that are based in the U.S. and around the world. But the important aspect, Noel, one of the important aspects of your work is you don't shy away from your Christian belief system that drives your work. I mean, without your faith in Christ— and your Christian beliefs, um, there wouldn't be much uh, uh, true, genuine life-saving purpose behind your work.
3: That's right, and that's really the foundation of of everything that we do. You know, I, some of the issues that that you just brought up. You know, I think as just as a human, we should care about those kind of things. But all the more as a Christ follower, as a person of faith, uh, that should compel us to get involved
1: and to take action and to help meet these needs. Noel, uh, I'm looking on, on your, at your organization, and you do various type of, of humanitarian aid and relief work. But of these, I mean, you talked about clean water. Uh, you have various refugee uh, crises around the world. But of these various issues, which one seems to be the leading issue, if you will, at least that your organization is focused on?
3: apologize, I have a little dog here near me that is deciding that now is the time to let himself be known. Well, if he um, wants to come yeah. on the
1: show, that's fine, you know. <laughs> he,
3: he's pretty, he's pretty cute. Um Yeah, there, you know, it is really hard to tell you the one uh, main thing or one that is more important than, than others. You know, right now, one of the things we do is a lot of crisis response work. So we're doing a lot of work. With the war in Ukraine and the, the refugees as a result of that war, we're doing work, um, you know, with the earthquake in Turkey and helping the victims there. And there's a lot that I could tell you about that. So, you know, when a crisis happens, sometimes that gets pushed, uh, to the top and may appear more important than others, but there's so much work that we're doing on a daily basis and on really important issues as well. You know, one of those things um, that is really close to my heart is the issue of trafficking. And I love to have the opportunity to share about that work um, with people because I think, you know, the faith community is changing on this issue and uh, people are more open to talk about it. And it might sound weird, but it's one of my favorite things to share because I'm so passionate about it. I want other people Uh, to hear the stories and be aware so that they can make a difference. There's a great quote that I always go back to by William Wilberforce, who's credited as helping to end the slave trade. And he said, you know, you can choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. And that's how I feel about my own life. Now I've, I've seen this issue firsthand. I can never again say that I don't know. And that's really my wish for others as I share these stories is for them to be more aware so that they can get involved and make a
0: difference.
1: Mm. Amen. Hey, Noel, tell our audience uh, where they can find out more about your work.
3: Um, you can go to worldhealth.net and find all the things we've talked about there.
1: All right. Hey, thanks, Noel. Um, tell the dog we said, thanks for coming on the show and uh, and maybe we'll have you on again sometime.
3: Thank you so much.
1: All right. Appreciate that. That's uh, Noel Yates. She's president of World Help Organization, worldhelp.net is that URL, uh, doing humanitarian relief around the world, all in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's Noel Yates, worldhelp.net is that URL. Uh, Back to this topic of um, this Silicon Valley Bank um, going belly up uh, late last week, Uh, this is you, you the, whenever there's uh, um, issues like this or news stories like this, there's always this uh, there's always this uh, smoking gun, if you will, or this this piece of information or part of the story that is just just uh, mind boggling. So listen to this. This is out of the Daily Mail. So the CEO of this uh, SVB bank apparently saw what was going on in the days and weeks leading up to um, this happening. By the way, this bank was lauded by many people. Uh, this bank got all kind of top ratings. Um, Jim Cramer was on CNBC, I think, a year or two ago, talking about how everybody needs to buy this bank. <laughs> and um, so so this was not like some back alley bank, you know, running shady deals. I mean, this, this was a major bank. I think it was the top 16th or 17th largest bank in the U.S., But um, this uh, and they just they just passed an audit like two weeks before, like 11 days before they just passed an audit. Um, But nonetheless, the CEO of this uh, bank sold three point five million in stocks just two weeks before its dramatic collapse. The CFO ditched about five hundred and seventy five thousand on the same date. Um Greg Becker was the uh, CEO and he sold twelve thousand four hundred and fifty one shares at an average price of two hundred and eighty seven bucks um on february twenty seventh and uh the price is now thirty nine bucks for um I guess it's that price really is zero now since the bank doesn't exist. Um uh the day his sell went through uh, Becker bought the same number of shares using stock stock options priced at one hundred and five bucks each. According to filings with the SEC, and of course the CFO sold two thousand shares at two hundred eighty-seven dollars as well on the same day. So it's likely they saw the handwriting on the wall, and they got their money and got out of there. Um, but isn't it isn't it fascinating that like I'm interested to learn if there were any illegal if there was any illegality here because. This is just to to go from from all to nothing in this short of a time is just astonishing. It's just astonishing. And it's utter mismanagement. Clearly mismanagement. Not enough liquidity, not enough cash. And who's going to be held to account? I mean, I think that's what a lot of people get frustrated about is if you and I start a small mom and pop business, and and we mismanage it and go belly up well that's it it's we're done no more start over from scratch but if you're a major bank in California and you mismanage and you go belly up well the fed's come in to save you and so this is this is why there's an utter distrust and a and a, a long standing cynicism with the federal government and our leaders and all the what about all the mom and pop businesses that closed down because of the overbearing ridiculous covid pandemic policies and and, and in some states thankfully many were salvaged but in some of these liberal-leaning states like California and New York and Illinois, I mean, they were, they were shut, shut for 12 to 18 months. Small businesses closed their doors for good. Same thing over in Europe. And so it's this, this, this bailout of, of the big guys, and then the little guys just get to go bankrupt. And what's the the difference there is? This is not apples to apples. This is not a rich versus poor, class warfare, Marxist mentality that I'm talking about here, because that's wrong. What happened during COVID was government mandated closure of businesses. All right. So so this was not mismanagement on the behalf of mom and pop small businesses. This was government forced closures. But what we have over there in California is utter mismanagement by the very business owners. And the latter gets bailed out, and the first just is too bad. It's too bad. You just have to go on welfare. Sorry. You know, not sorry. Uh, Stuart Stuart Varney, I'm sorry, Charles Payne, actually. I did watch some Stuart Varney today, but Charles Payne was on uh, with Bill Hemmer this morning and Martha McCallum, and he was talking about the risky behavior that uh, this bank was was uh, meddling with and how this is, you know, should the bailout come, and it looks like the bailout's coming, um, this is going to be a bailout of the millionaires and billionaires. This is not a, a bailout of small businesses, although some small businesses had accounts there. Uh, much of this uh, uh, banking, uh, much of these clients were millionaires and billionaires. Uh, let's listen to clip two.
5: This is an irresponsible, reckless bank But it's let's let's be clear. The the American public must know every account in this country is insured to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Every single account. This was not about bailing out small accounts, regular Americans. (laughs) The mean bank account in this country is forty one thousand dollars. You want to go by. uh, 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 So if you look at, for instance, the average bank account for someone without a high school diploma, nine thousand bucks. B- bachelor's degree, yeah. 79000 bucks. This is another bailout of the elites. This is a bailout of Silicon Valley, the same Silicon Valley that just brought a Sam Bankman-Fried, the Silicon Valley that for 20 <laughs> years grew companies privately to exorbitant valuations, outrageous valuations, and then foisted them on the public at an even higher valuations. Mm-hmm. They, have made, they have made so much money. I mean, only, only the Saudi Arabian princes can, can deal with the <laughs> amount of money that they've made. Who do you think are? Who do you think bids against each other for the world's biggest yacht? Mm-hmm. Who bought the Maltese Falcon? I mean, this is what mm-hmm. I'm talking about.
1: So this is a. Should this bailout go through? Um, this is a bailout of the same group of people. And once again, look, look. I'm not. If you had your money in there, this is a very bad situation. Okay. So there's the bank, and the executives running the bank that just dropped the ball here and they knew it. I mean, they were cashing out of their stocks two weeks ago, um, engaging in very risky behavior. So you have that, but, but I get it. There's the depositors or the customers that got the accounts at the bank. I mean, these people probably had no idea what was going on. No idea that this bank was about to go belly up. So, so I get that. All right. If it was my money, I'd want it back too. But but just to draw out the the hypocrisy here, this is this is this, the Washington and the Biden administration. These are the same people that claim to hate the rich, like they don't like the rich. The rich are evil. This is their narrative, all right, not mine. But but here we go, and 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 FEMA can't FEMA can't help. Um, east palestine ohio right we can't they initially turned it down they might have approved it now but but fema biden's fema uh turned down any aid to east palestine you know the the multi-billion dollar train company can spill you know toxins all over the town and then and then fema doesn't have to show up that that was the biden kind of narrative in the days following that that train wreck and so east palestine Blue-collar America—they don't need help. They got this. They'll figure it out. Uh, but, but less than you know, 24 to 48 hours after this Silicon Valley billionaire and millionaire bank goes upside down, Biden's coming to the rescue. Biden's coming to the rescue. And to, to uh, Charles uh, Payne's point, this is not this is not you know middle class a middle class bank. This is the bank of the banks. This is the the millionaire and the billionaire banks there in California and Biden's tax the rich, we don't like the rich, pay your fair share administration, uh, they show up with a bucket of $25 billion within a day, within one day. And so, the 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 overarching concern here is that if banks like SVB get bailed out, which you can say this is not a bailout, but folks, it is a bailout. Because SVB mismanaged money lost tens of billions in a day, and then Biden's crew comes in with billions to make it up. All right. That's a bailout. So if SVB can completely, utterly mismanage billions and get get it fixed in a day, why would other banks be encouraged to do their due diligence? We'll be back in a few
3: So they asked me to enter my email address. And the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that?
0: Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters.
1: In churches, in a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing.
0: In his image
4: with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event.
0: To find out more about how to host an event, go to InHisImage.movie and click on the Host an Event tab. That's InHisImage.movie Here's Dr. John Oswalt from the American Family Studios documentary The God Who Speaks.
2: One of the remarkable things about the God of the Bible is that he is a God who speaks. The writers of the Bible again and again talk of him as the living God, and when they do, they include this idea that the idols are dumb. They cannot speak. Language is an incredible mystery, really. What is it that makes human beings able to communicate in word? Personally, I think that is the image of God in us because God speaks. Right at the beginning of the Bible, God spoke the world into existence. It did not somehow evolve from his body, it was
0: something that he spoke. Visit the This is At the Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman.
1: Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. Well, you know, um, if you you try to listen to the Biden administration or even if you try to watch, you know, some of the more left-leaning networks, they're going to tell you no reason to panic. Everything's fine. We got this completely under control. This is an isolated incident with one bank in California. (laughs) That was their talking point over the entire weekend, and I'm not one to, number one, I'm not one to panic, uh, but number two, I'm not one to, you know, overemphasize things or inflate the the, the true problem and, uh, you know, use apocalyptic language um, like some people do. Um, you know, there's people out there that say the stock market's going to crash, and they say that like every day, and then, you know, every 10 years they get it right, and then they put it on their resume that they predicted <laughs> the stock market crash um but but you know i don't do that but what i have been talking about on the show uh extensively over the past probably two years really or 18 months at least is the inflation problem you know when 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 Yellen was saying it's transitory you know we were having on experts saying it's not transitory um and so here we are you know a good 18 months headed on two years into this inflation problem by the way still you know um, CPI, consumer price index, still sitting around seven percent, and the Fed's been hiking rates like nobody's business. I mean, uh, try to try to get a mortgage, you know, try to try to buy a house now. You'll you'll have to lock in at about a seven percent interest rate, and then of course the the Fed borrowing rates around you know six or seven percent as well. Um, but but we've been saying for for a long time that you just can't keep you know, raising rates and having – and not only is the Fed raising rates in the name of fighting inflation, and by the way, how is that working for us? Um, But then you've got this incompetent administration, and that's putting it – that's being, you know, assuming the best in people. But, you know, there are many in the Biden administration that they just have um, a terrible, bad worldview on economics, and they want to destroy the American economy so that the government can step in and save the day. So you have the Fed raising rates, but then you, over here you got Biden doing everything he can to crush American businesses, doing everything he can to crush the economy. So you got these two things going on parallel down the tracks. It's not going to end well. It's just not going to end well. And uh, and as I, I think I cited a gentleman, um, an economist back months ago, that said uh, this problem that we're facing now is unique, and we can't. We can't spend our way out of it, and the reason he said that is because of the inflation problem. So in the past, like oh seven, oh eight, you know, back in during the tech bubble or the dot com bubble, and and previous, you know, recessions and economic dips, you had two percent inflation, three percent inflation at most. Well, we got seven to eight percent, and that's with them messing with the numbers. By the way, you got seven to eight percent inflation, and and you're trying to fix inflation. And so, when you have a recession or an economic down, a down downfall, you can't just print a trillion bucks and stimulate the economy like they did under Obama. You just can't do that, or you can, but you're going to make inflation worse, and it's going to last, you know, twice as long. Uh, so that's that's what what's ma- what makes um, this situation different. I'll put it this way: our countries, like at least our federal government, the they're the ones printing the money. Our federal government's like a drug addict. And they can either go through the the tough time of of, you know, weaning off of the drug and you can go through withdrawals and and everything else. Or you can just keep taking it. Or you can just keep taking it. And right now it looks like there there's no talk of of weaning yourself off the drug of the dollar. I mean, Bobby and I were listening to the to the news uh, American family news during the break. And, and the Pentagon is, is requesting a record 800 plus billion dollars for their budget this year. And it's like, come on guys. Can you not cut a dollar? Like $1. Just say we want $1 less this year than we had last year. A dollar. No, no, no. We can't do that. We've always got to up it. We've got to up the drug usage. We've got to up the dosage. Um, so that everybody's stimulated. um, Uh, So with with no talk of physical sanity in Washington, you know, they're just going to keep repeating the same old mistakes until they break the whole system. Uh, I do want to play this clip. Uh, I, I had a hard time with all this. There's all this like regulatory jargon and banking jargon. And and, you know, they like to use all these fancy terms. I found this gentleman on Twitter that that explained this whole FDIC setup very, very well. Very, very well. His name's uh, Peter St. Onge, and um, he uh, he's from Australia. He's also a heritage economist, Heritage Foundation economist. But this is about a two-minute clip. But listen to him kind of explain how the FDIC, FDIC is set up, how much money they have access to, and what they do if they run out of that money.
2: Hey guys, there's a lot going on with these bailouts, the, one of the talking points of the it's not a bailout crowd is that the FDIC is paid by other banks. So the key here is that, you know, traditionally the FDIC only covers the first 250000 And What they're doing now with these bailouts is they're extending that to all the rich guys as well. In Silicon Valley Bank's case, that means that the tab to the FDIC increases about 30 times. To bail out all these rich Silicon Valley types. And so the, you know, this is not a bailout crowd is saying, well, sure, but the FDIC itself is being paid by the other banks, so this is not a taxpayer thing. Here's the problem is that if you drain the FDIC, so the FDIC has around about $120 billion in it, all right, and there are 22 trillion insured bank deposits in the U.S., so that is like 0.6%. That is a tiny slice, all right? Uh, and if you drain the FDIC to go bail out these rich people, then the question becomes, okay, what happens then when the FDIC runs out of money? And we know exactly what will happen because the FDIC has a standing $100 billion of lending authority from the Treasury. All right? In other words, if the FDIC runs out of money, they just call up Treasury, which is you, the taxpayer. <laughs> they call them up and say, hey, I'm going to need $100 billion. Moreover, in 2009... Congress passed this act. It's the Healthy Families Act or something irrelevant. In that act, they temporarily raised the FDIC borrowing limit to $500 billion. So there's a very good chance that they're going to do that again. Back then, that was 2009. 2009, we didn't have huge bank crashes. There was one that was a Florida bank that had $5 billion in deposits, a tiny bank compared to what's going down now. So you can be sure. That if the stuff hits the fan, they are certainly going to effectively bail out FDIC by going to Congress.
1: All right, well, there you have it. That's about a two-minute summary of how the FDIC works, where they get the money from, how much they have, um, and um, and what they'll do if they run out. Um, So the FDIC has about, um, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but let me get you the uh, specific number. Okay, the FDIC has this um, this fund that is built. It's called uh, it's built off of fees from the banks, and they've got about 128 billion dollars in this fund. But the the banks that are that have gone upside down over the weekend, um, Signature and uh, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, in in total they've got about 264 billion. Um, uh, of deposits that need to be backed up by the FDIC, and then of course, as the gentleman mentioned there, he uh, he said that the FDIC has about 500 billion in a borrowing authority with the Treasury, and of course that's backed up by the U.S. taxpayer. Um, so we'll see we'll see where this goes, and we'll keep keep covering it. But the the what's what's really taken uh what's really kind of been put on the on the side burner as far as discussion is inflation that's really not being talked about much right now although um listen to this listen to this uh, many people have been telling the uh, federal reserve they need to ease off the the infl- the uh, interest rate hikes for various reasons and uh remember we in- inflation's far from over all right it's not fixed there's no really sign that inflation is 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 resolved and historically the the goal the inflation goals have been been about 2% with an occasional 3% hit but if 2% is the goal and we're at 7 or 8% now and Goldman Sachs is saying and now this changes every day you know how these these market people are they change their mind every day but Goldman Sachs is saying um that they predict that the Fed will blink, that the, that the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell will stop raising interest rates this week, or are upcoming, that they'll they'll stop, they'll will stop, pause the interest rate hikes uh, temporarily. This is um, Goldman Sachs economist uh, Jan Hatsus. He says he said in a statement on Sunday that he no longer expects a rate hike in March following recent actions from the federal agencies to calm depositors worries after the Silicon Valley banks collapse on uh, Friday. So he says in light of recent stress in the banking system, we no longer expect the federal reserve to deliver a rate hike in its March 22 meeting with considerable uncertainty about the path beyond March. So listen to how, how much our, economy is being like all these these experts they change their mind every day and now that wasn't jerome powell talking but remember jerome powell like a week ago did an interview and he calls the markets to tank because he said oh he basically said oh we're far from done on the rate hikes longer uh he, he said uh, higher for longer that was the term higher for longer we're gonna we're gonna just ride this thing higher and higher and we're just gonna raise rates so high <laughs> you're gonna think it's you know we're back in the 80s and uh so that was like a week ago I mean to show how and now Goldman Sachs said uh, no 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 hike no rate hike absolutely no rate hike so who knows who knows what what they're gonna do uh what the Federal Reserve's gonna do but but people's opinion and their sentiments are changing by the day and changing quite quite uh drastically but my point is if the FED does it's uh, If the Fed blinks, to use like a sporting analogy um, or a gaming analogy, if the Fed, you know, misses a beat and they, they pause their rate hikes when they're supposed to be here to fix inflation, right? And that's what they said. Then that means most likely inflation sticks around. Inflation sticks around at six or seven percent. And And, and when does that go down? When does that go down? And as I told Bobby during the break, the the financial stimulus pumping billions and trillions into the economy only makes inflation worse. So if the Fed blinks and the Fed stops raising rates and really quits and gives up on this fight on inflation, and then Washington comes into the rescue of these banks and bails them out to the tunes of hundreds of billions, well, where's that going to leave us? That's going to leave us with inflation either the same or worse down the road. The same or worse down the road. And and let's not let's not be confused about where this all started. This all started during the Trump and then the Biden administration when they said, when when Washington, DC said, let's just print trillions. We've got we've got a public health issue, COVID nineteen. And to to quote unquote fix COVID nineteen, let's print trillions. And so they just cut on the printing press to the tune of, in all, between all the sources you go gather, over the course of three years, they did $10 trillion in money printing and stimulus. So that's where this is rooted. That's where it started. And here we are dealing with the consequences. Here we are dealing with the consequences, and it doesn't help that you've got an administration that hates the American economy. They hate the way our economy is structured. They hate the capitalist system. They hate the free market system. They think government is God. It doesn't help at all that those are the same folks running the economy. Those are the same people running uh, the economy. I do want to uh, mention one other thing before we wrap up the show. By the way, um, if you do want to call in, and uh, share your listener t- testimony. I said I would mention this before the show was over. If you want to call in, you've been blessed by American Family Radio. You want to share um, a listener testimony for our upcoming share in April, in mid-April, 877-876-8893. That's the number to call in, 877-876-8893. Uh, but also, uh, one of the offerings that we have here at American Family Association is our news department. And each Friday, those who listen to the show I have Chris Woodward on uh, with us, and I actually tried to get Chris on today, but he's on vacation. Um, but American Family News is covering all the stories we mentioned on the show. Many of them is being a covered uh, are being covered by American Family News. So uh, don't fail to go over to American Family News, afn.net. That URL, afn.net. They've got a story out today on what's going on with these banks. They've got uh, stories on religious freedom on sanctity of life they've got stories on all the core values of american family association they're covering them with uh, expert interviews expert analysis afn.net's that url hey don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcast at the core podcast we'll see you next time